In this episode of Uncorrelated Minds, Connie Sullivan takes the mic again to visit with Amanda Isel, CEO of Zealous, a 20-year strategic management and investment industry veteran. Isel was named CEO of Zealous in August 2021. She and Connie will discuss when and how growing companies transition from founders to professional management and the challenges and opportunities involved. Thank you, Patrice. And Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. So happy to be here, Connie. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. You know, it's funny. I was thinking back, you and I met over 20 years ago at the University of Virginia when we selected you for the very prestigious Sky Allen Scholarship Award. And here you are, CEO of one of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies for, I believe, the 10th time. Hard to believe that that was 20 years ago. I remember it vividly. And yes, it's been an incredibly exciting journey since UVA. We are going to talk a lot about the experience of coming into a a tech startup um, and the founder's dilemma. But before we do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about Zealous, learn a little bit more about that. And really, of all the companies that you have advised and worked with over the years, why did you make the leap to Zealous? (laughs) Absolutely. So Zealous, uh, we price, pay, and explain healthcare. We are the leading healthcare payments company. We use technology to sit between the payer, provider, and member to just take a lot of the friction out of the system. We are on one hand a young company, but we've grown fast. And so we're a big company and it's a really neat company, I think, for in relation here because it's a company that came together five years ago through a lot of founder businesses. And so bringing together these just small, dynamic, high-growth businesses that find ways to innovate in healthcare and join the technologies together. That is so much of what has fueled the growth. So that, for me, was why I took the job. I had this incredible opportunity for the better part of two years when I was at Bain Capital working with Zealous to work with so many of the founders. And so when they said, hey, you know, how would you feel about stepping into this role my honest reaction was, I, you know, I can't imagine a job that would be more cool than being the CEO of this company. That is great. And it sounds like it continues to take off in completely different directions with the uh, acquisition of Sapphire Digital and other uh, growth by acquisition. It does. You know, it's, it's a unique business in that it is high growth on an organic basis, but we continue to look for exciting M&A that we can do really born out of the strategy. And so Sapphire was, um, let's see, we did it, I think, in my second or third week on the job. And we'd been on the hunt for the right asset that really could transform the healthcare consumer's experience. And Sapphire was absolutely that one. So we brought them into the family and it's been a you know, fun journey with them ever since. That's just great. Well, speaking of founders, there is such a term as the founder's d- dilemma. Uh, there's been a lot written about it and talked about it. And it's really the question that many founders face in deciding when or if to turn over the reins to a professional CEO. Yeah. And I know that you have spent a lot of time working with and consulting many founders on this very question. So I'd love to chat about that for a little bit. 
Absolutely. I've had a, I think, unique experience in that, you know, I spent over a decade at Bain Capital working with the firm's technology investments. And in doing that, almost all of the businesses that I worked with were founder-led. And so went through this journey often with founders, some of them who said, listen, I want to bring in private equity investment to fuel the business and stay and be part of that. Others who said, I want to bring it in, but I know it's time for me to move on. And so I want your help with that. And others who said, I'm not actually sure. Let me, let's start on the journey and we'll figure it out together. So I've seen the whole gamut of how founders think about it. And to your point, I think it really is a big dilemma because, you know, I always look at founders and say, gosh, this is a baby that you created out of just brilliance that you had in your mind. And in that decision of when to let somebody else in and how to work together, I think is a really big one. Do you find that there's a different skill set that a founder may have versus someone who would take the company to the next level? Hugely different. And, and I think that's why I generally loved working with founders. And, and there's no one stereotype, but I generally find if, if there's a way to, to categorize them, it is this, they have an incredible vision. They tend to be visionary. They tend to be entrepreneurial, move fast, see things. You know, one always said to me, listen, my whole approach is move fast, fail fast, move on. And that's so much of what drives just the incredible breakout of these companies. On the other hand, I think the professional CEO sees the world through a different lens and can come in and look perhaps sometimes in a more surgical way at the business and how to grow it. And to me, the beauty comes when you find a founder that wants that and a professional CEO that says, I see the greatness in what you've created. How do we come to the center together to figure out how to fuel the company? I've, I've heard you talk about the entrepreneurial magic that mm-hmm. you want to be able to retain in a company. And that has got to be a big challenge to, to capture that and, and retain it. It is. And I, and I think I use the term come to the center deliberately because, again, not to use stereotypes, but it It requires, well, I'll speak about it in the terms of a founder that I worked with, the one who used the move fast, fail fast. It required him saying, I see value in the way that you work, look at the world through analysis, through a framework of decision-making and analysis. And it took me saying, I see a tremendous amount of value in your instinct and your gut and how you move And for both of us to say, that's uncomfortable (laughs) for me, (laughs) the way you think. But I think that's what's required to make it successful. And that entrepreneurial magic is exactly that. The and, and I think I so admire it because it's not the way I think. It, it's just this, it's ability to, t- to look at a problem and see an opportunity and go after it in a way that isn't always grounded in the way that I think about problems. So yes, I think in these businesses, when you come in to run them, you have to recognize that's, that is the essence of why this company is what it is. If I crush that in any way, well, then mission not accomplished. From the perspective of the private equity investor, looking at companies either to 
acquire or perhaps consolidate in a buy and build strategy. How important is this question of founder versus professional management? I mean, as opposed to product positioning, some of the other, you know, the numbers, the finances, and so forth. Oh, see, so I, I actually think about it as entirely, it's the latter, the second part that is important. And it, I'll take the Bain Capital lens on this. In looking to invest in businesses, it was entirely based on the business itself, the product, the, you know, how... Um, the you know the growth prospects just kind of the core of investing of do we believe that this is a sustainable durable business in a sustainable and durable market the founder question then on top of that was really a question of and what does this founder want does back to the you know the frame I was talking about at the beginning is this a founder that is looking for professional management to come in? Because some do. (laughs) Is this a a founder that is looking for partnership and wants to stay? And there's no right or wrong answer to that. I think it's just a a question of, well, what's the goal here? And is there a fit then in in that relationship? And I'd say to any founder that is looking at this kind of opportunity, to me, it's not necessarily the decision of to take money, to take the investment or not. It's the decision of who do you partner with? And does that partner, I think, have a track record of working with founders? And does that partner have a track record, um, a chemistry with you that, that you can see it fitting? And there's, you know, there's no promises, but I think you get, you know, you can get a taste of, of what the future could look like. Yes, I, <clears throat> I can see that. I mean, at Cinesera Capital, we look at private investments all the time. And people are a pretty critical part of it. But it's just, as you say, it's one piece in the overall product, positioning, finances, and growth potential, and so forth. The challenges of coming into a situation as a professional CEO are many, I'm sure, as are the opportunities. Mm-hmm. We can speak about Zealous. It's a great it's a great uh, example, or just in more general terms, how do you view the not, you know, we're, we've been talking about the founder's dilemma, but what about the professional CEO's viewpoint? What are the, what are the considerations, the concerns, and the opportunities going into a founder-led business? Well, I think one of the considerations is the if for me, and I can speak you know personally to this, I find founder-run businesses are generally built through what I'm going to call puzzle pieces of people. So I, my experience is founders generally build around them the team that is required to make them successful in the company scale um, at that size. And so it's always this question of, okay, well, if we if, if a founder is saying, I'm bringing you in as the professional and I'm taking my puzzle piece out or doing it in a very different way, how does that all still come together and does it come together? And so I think there's just eyes wide open about that of the, the founder was a huge puzzle piece and 
And I, when I step in, I'm not there to replicate that same puzzle piece. I'm there to do something different. So how do you make those, you know, how do you make those pieces come together? And then I think the second thing that gives me that I spend a lot of time thinking about is at what pace do you scale and put in some of the foundation, the things that probably if you'd gone into a larger company or a company that had been professionally run for a lot of time would be there, aren't always there in a founder run because you know they operated leaner or faster, whatever the case would be. Again, not necessarily a bad thing. And I think you do have to temper how much you move to put in those quote unquote more professional aspects of the business for say, this is okay for right now. And again, might not totally make me comfortable in places, but I know where the biggest risks are and I'm not going to weight down the business with too scale or big of an approach. Right. And then of course you have the whole issue of working with a new team and Mm -hmm. becoming the new leader. I love the photo that's on the homepage of your website that shows, or, or the, the, the company's part of it, that shows you and some of the other senior executives doing a very rigorous physical outing. Um, <laughs> Fly fishing, was that the one that, uh, uh, that may, may have been? It may have been. Uh, I just looked at it and thought, she looks great. Um, but what uh, I'd love to hear what your experience at Zealous and just in general, your thoughts and learnings along the way about how to come in and assume leadership of, a, of an existing team. So I was incredibly fortunate in walking into Zealous in two respects. One, it's an incredible senior uh, team. In fact, it's one of the things that anybody that uh, you know doesn't know me really well and looks at our website says like, wow, you, you got an incredible team. And it's a yeah, team. it's a very seasoned team. <laughs> it is. It is. And I was fortunate in that I had worked with them in this different capacity as a bank capital operating partner and helped to hire many of them. So felt like while a new position, the you know pre-existing relationships um, were there. Now, all that said, for me, moving from being um, on the private equity, you know, operating partner side of it to the CEO, that very much, you know, I would have been naive to say, okay, well, that's not a huge shift in the way that the relationship works, and so you know, like everything else, I think no silver bullet to this one. My approach was, you know, to come in and listen, you know, to everyone and where they were and how they thought about this transition. Because again, that's that's a pretty big transition to take someone from the sponsor side and have them step in as the leader. And, and honestly, to respect my team, again, incredibly talented team. And so my approach to this is to say, I'm not here to do your job. You're the expert on your job. I'm here to lead the company and bring the team together, the vision together, make it clear. Um, And so just kind of laying out some of those, how I work. And the thing that, you know, that we did that I'd recommend, I think to any CEO is we went offsite pretty quickly as a new team. So I guess we were doing the sacrifice the Sapphire acquisition. So it was a pretty busy busy time. But sometime in that first four to six weeks, we all went away with a um, leadership facilitator that I used a lot during my time at Bain Capital to help guide us on the how we'd work together. And for each of us to be able to talk about ourselves as leaders, how we work, 
um, what we were looking for in the team. And I say that from a perspective of, you know, it's perhaps unconventional to take a new team away and say, I don't want to talk for a second about the business or the priorities or the strategy or any of that. I can come later. I just want to talk about how we work. But it was a really helpful time for us to gel as a team. And we continue to do it quarterly. Um, You know, I think particularly in this distributed world where people are either behind screens or in different places, it's just so important for leadership teams to take out the time to talk about how they work together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so impressed that you did it within four to six weeks of coming on board. It's interesting. We do something similar with our, we're a multifamily office, but with our larger families, we'll do an offsite with a facilitator to, so that mainly intergenerational issues and perhaps extended family issues can be resolved as it relates to the family's interest in investing and impact and so forth. So it's similar. And of course, I would imagine also, Amanda, that being a mom of three small children would have given you tremendous skill set that maybe some other CEOs would not have. I will call it a skill set. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, it gives me perspective to be a mom and to get to do this at the same time and perspective in the, it forces me to have purpose about the job and why I'm doing it and to try to really have boundaries. It was one of the biggest things in taking the job of saying, you know, I've got three kids who are seven, five, and two, and I love being with them. So the only way that this is going to work is if I can, you know, give everything that I know I want to give to Zealous, but do the same with them as well. Um, and I, I have a team where we're all at different stages in our life, but I appreciate that everyone is really trying to work through that, particularly in this, this um, COVID world where things are just a little bit more hectic. So it helps all of us to have that as you know a common thing that we know to be important um, and to hold on to as we think about you know our boundaries and how we work together. Absolutely, boundaries have become much more fluid in the world of COVID. Uh, but when I think about your your experiences as a mom, I think about just the communication skills, the, the mm-hmm. empathy, the patience, and a lot of the the skills that you you know you develop that way in addition to your professional experience. So I think it's a it's a tremendous package, and Zealous is lucky to have you. Well, thank you, thank you. And it's you know the point about empathy, I think, is a really important one now that we just spend so much time talking about. Of um, I think if you can come to these from a place of empathy and always come to these discussions from a place of understanding, you know, people's why and why they're doing what they're doing, particularly in this world where you're blending, you know, founders and professional management, it, um, it, it puts you with a huge light up to succeed. There's no doubt about that. Well, there are so many different directions we could continue to take this conversation, but I think we really ended on a perfect note there. So I'm going to stop peppering you with questions and thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experience. It's, I think it's something that will be of interest to many of our entrepreneurs and investors out in, in our world. So thank you. Thank you, Connie. I really enjoyed it. 
To learn more about Zealous, go to www.zelis.com. And of course, as always, to learn about Sina Sarah Capital, S-I-N-E-C-E-R-A, capital.com. Follow this podcast to make sure you get all the latest episodes and share with friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Uncorrelated Minds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit the show notes page for links to further information at www.sinaceracapital.com. Sinacera Capital is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Sinacera and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or offer to sell a security. It does not take into account any investor's particular investment objectives, strategies, tax status, or investment horizon. You should consult your attorney or tax advisor. All information has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy, reliability, or completeness of, or liability for, decisions based on such information, and it should not be relied on as such. The views expressed in this commentary are subject to change based on market and other conditions. These documents may contain certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking statements. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance, and actual results or developments may differ materially from those projected. Any projections, market outlooks, or estimates are based upon certain assumptions and should not be construed as indicative of actual events that will occur.